0: at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get twenty dollars off your first order there were two more murders 15 miles away when and police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines we have a weird homicide a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning cup of murder the desperate need for money, even if you have more than enough, can make people do the most despicable things. On April 1st, 1988, a woman was killed because of the money she inherited from her late husband, money that, now that she was dead, went to his grown children, one of which felt he deserved more than the $200,000 his father left him. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jeanne Tovray, a divorcee from a small town in Arkansas who came to Phoenix following her divorce to start over, got a second chance at love when the successful realtor met and married war veteran Ed Tovray, a member of the prominent Arizona family who built the wedding cake castle and member of the historical Great Escape, the escape of British Commonwealth prisoners from a German war camp that was eventually made into a movie starring Steve McQueen. The pair married at a private ceremony in Hawaii in 1972 and began their happily married life, which took a hit a few years later when Ed's health began to decline, resulting in his death in 1983. Now, just before Ed's death, he confided in his wife that there had been tensions between him and his adult children, Ed Jr., Georgia, and Priscilla, as they did not approve of him remarrying so late in life. But as he lay in hospice knowing his death was imminent, he did urge her to try and be civil after his passing and build a bridge between her and her stepchildren. When Ed passed, he, of course, divvied up his money in a way he felt was appropriate. Most of his $8 million estate went to his widow, while each of his children would receive $200,000 distributed in monthly payments of $1,500. Jeanne wasn't a greedy person, but overnight, the small-town woman from Arkansas had become a millionaire, while her stepchildren were left with, in their minds, a very minuscule inheritance. And the only way they would get access to the money Jean had been given was in the event of her death, when the money would be passed along to Ed Sr.'s three children. Jean mourned her late husband, but after a while, friends helped her re-enter the social world, and slowly but surely, she began living her life again throwing events and parties to try and meet new people as a way to take care of and do things for herself. On March 31st, 1988, at around 7 p.m., Jean spoke with her sister on the phone as she began preparing invitations for an upcoming party she would be throwing. As her sister hung the phone up on the receiver, she had no clue it would be the last time she ever spoke to her sister. On April 1st, 1988, Police were sent to answer the alarm at Jean's home to find that the weather stripping on one of the windows had been completely removed and the Arcadia door was wide open. Inside, Jean Tovray was found wrapped in a comforter on her bed having been shot five times in the head, her credit cards missing from the scene and costume jewelry thrown about the room. Police, of course, assumed the wealthy widow was robbed for her wallet, but did find it strange that they had left her jewelry and other valuables before fleeing the scene and leaving behind a number of fingerprints, none of which matched anyone in their system. As it became clear that this case wasn't your typical breaking and entering, police began to work under the assumption that not only was Jean the main target, but that the killer was someone who was very familiar with the house as they were able to enter without setting off the alarm and footprints indicated that they went straight from the entry point to her bedroom. The killer then walked straight to a window, intentionally setting off the alarm, more than likely to alert the person who hired him and summoned the police to find her body. Unfortunately, all of this was speculation and nothing in the evidence got them any closer to the name of their suspect. At least, not until 1994, when an anonymous tipster called in and gave them a name. After years of reviewing tapes from her answering machine, investigators made the important decision to broadcast the recordings on a television program, in hopes that someone recognized the voice of a man calling himself Gordon Phillips. Gordon, who claimed to be a writer from Time Life, had called her several times before her death, wanting to talk about Ed's experiences as a POW even visiting her once in 1987. Jean was reluctant to give him any information on her husband's military years, as they happened far before she came into his life. But Gordon continued to hound her about getting an interview, so much so that she started to speculate that it was all a ruse. So she did her due diligence and made a call to Time Life to ask about Gordon's piece on her late husband. The problem was, Gordon Phillips wasn't his real name and he didn't work for Time Life. The tips are called to tell investigators that the man calling himself Gordon Phillips on her answering machine sounded a lot like his brother-in-law, James Cornell Herod. A quick check with others who knew James confirmed that it was his voice on the answering machine, giving police their first real suspect in the very cold case. After running his prints into the system and matching them with those left at Jean's scene, on September 14, 1995, James Herod was arrested and brought into custody. After his arrest, his ex-wife admitted that he had confessed to the murder and claimed he was paid $100,000 by an unknown source to take out Jean, therefore relinquishing her $4 million in trust to Ed's three children. In 1997, James was tried and convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced the following year to death and resentenced in 2005. Despite being sent to death twice, James Herod has never given up the name of the person who hired him to commit murder. In fact, he maintained that this was all one big mistake and that he was completely innocent until his death on January 28th, 2019 at the age of 65. But police had their speculations. They believe the man who hired James was none other than Ed's eldest son, Ed Tovray Jr., who was angry that Gene received more than he did when his father passed away. Police found that Ed and James had been in contact with one another several weeks before her death, 52 calls on the day before the murder, and that he paid James $35,000 before the shooting. Unfortunately, none of this was enough to charge Ed Jr., who has since passed away, or any of his other siblings. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on April 2nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it.